Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV. This is Episode 512 for Wednesday the 12th of July 2017. Hexachords has done something incredible. They have created an artificial intelligence music composing system. So cool. It has a lot of potential, folks, for TV, broadcast, movies, and video games. Yes. We're going to be speaking with the CEO responsible for this technology in just a couple of moments' time. Make sure you stick around. Here's what's coming up in the Category 5.TV newsroom. Jawbone is shutting down to pursue medical tech. The world's first glasses-free holographic phone is coming, and you'll never guess who's releasing it. There's now a self-driving transport truck that doesn't even have a spot for a human driver. Disappointed as Intel plans to cut jobs from its IoT division. A German computer company is spinning a, a new version of Ubuntu to include on their computers and update your Linux distro immediately. The new PG crypto library has been cracked. Stick around. The full details are coming up later in the show. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Our live recordings are trusted only to solid-state drives by Kingston Technology. Revive your computer with improved performance and reliability over traditional hard drives with Kingston SSDs. Category 5 TV streams live with Telestream Wirecast and Nimble Streamer. Tune in live every week on Roku, Kodi, and other HLS video players. For local showtimes, visit our website, Category5.tv. Category5.tv is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Cat5.tv slash TPN. And the International Association of Internet Broadcasters. Cat5.tv slash IAIB. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm Robbie Ferguson. I'm Sasha Dermatis. And I'm Jeff Waston. See how they just respond to the cues just like that? Just like that. Tonight, we've got a fantastic show planned for you. Really excited about this. As a former music producer... In my past life, used to do a lot of music. You remember the days. I do, yes. Boy, oh boy, and it was so onerous. It was so much work to just put together the score. Yes. Well, Hexachords has built a tool that uses artificial intelligence in order to compose music. So cool. Tonight, we have Richard Portelli. He's the CEO of Hexachords. Richard, nice to have you here. Thanks for joining us tonight. Thanks, my pleasure. Can you tell us a little bit about how Hexachords got started? What really brought about uh, this entire movement that, you've guys, that you guys have been creating? Yes, um, basically I, I started uh, Hexachords uh, on my own. Um, it was like uh, five years ago. And uh, I had this, the idea uh, when I was at, like, uh, when I was studying physics um, and engineering at my, at my school. Mm-hmm. And um, the main idea of our of, of, of composer is uh, to design a tool for composers, uh, which basically um, allow composers to create uh, music a lot faster and to try uh, new musical ideas very quickly. And then they can decide uh, which ideas they want to explore further. And uh, the, the, um, I had this idea uh, because by listening a lot of music, uh, I came to the conclusion that a lot of songs uh, look very similar, and mm. it's, instead of uh, spending time on uh, the, I mean, what is like all the time the same, like all the time the same chord, etc., it's yeah. better to use the time on creativity. Sure. Okay. So you think about uh, how music is composed, and it it always works out to be uh, a chord structure where, you know, it's going to be G, D, C, G, D, C, and then maybe an E minor if we want to get really funky with it. So (laughs) your artificial intelligence now takes that kind of knowledge and turns it into music. So it's called Orb Composer. And um, can you tell us a little bit about how it works? What's kind of the process that a composer would use in order to create a composition using your technology? Yes, sure. Um, basically, Orb Composer, uh, I mean, the composer needs to uh, make a lot of uh, musical choices uh, to uh, have a score in the end. And we try to design a, a kind of a high level. Uh, interface, right. where the, the the composer can choose like 
chords, chord progressions, rhythms, uh, momentums. Uh, he, he can choose all the instruments he wants. Let's say, for example, from bar two, uh, the flutes will come, uh, etc. All this stuff. Um, I mean, the composer has uh, access to all this stuff, and uh, it's the start. Uh, the composition starts by making like very artistic choices, uh, be, and before diving into the notes. Okay. So now, in the past, we've looked at Audio Tool, uh, we've looked at FL Studio Producer, um, and tools like that where we need to learn an interface like a piano roll, and we need to know basic chord structure so that we can so that we can pl basically play on a computer screen the notes that we want to hear and then we've got to create okay we want uh, a timpan swell we want uh, a, an oboe to come in at this point now we have to kind of put those in as dots so how does uh, you know thinking of that it's a very difficult and very time-consuming process how does uh, orb composer uh, compare to that process uh, when I sit down and say, okay, I've got my cup of coffee, I'm ready to start composing music, <laughs> what's the process feel like for me? Yes, and it's exactly the point um, uh, the point of uh, Orb Composer. Basically, you start from ideas and it mm -hmm. creates notes. And for example, um, uh, it's like it's like clothes. You only when you want to try a new shirt. Basically, you need all the other like pants and shoes uh, to have an idea exactly how it would sound. Uh, you cannot just like so to exp to explore a uh, musical idea is very time consuming. And basically, what Orb Composer allows to do is like um, from simple choices and artistic choices to have like a, a solid base. Uh, to start with. It's not like the, the final score w will not be composed 100% uh, with ARP Composer, but okay. you start with a very solid base, oh. uh, which uh, saves you a lot of time for the rest. So do I need to have musical capabilities and knowledge in order to use ARP Composer? Yes, it's definitely designed for music composers. <laughs> I see, okay, uh, that's good. So, So we're looking at not something that would replace the composer, but something that would assist the composer uh, with creativity, with artistic freedom, and and you know it's like it's like writing a story. You sit down day after day and compose music, and you get writer's block, and and that is you know when you've got eight songs for a CD and you're trying to get the tenth and the ninth, that's the difficult thing to get through. Um, so. Uh, is the music creation so this creates the base for our songs is it random is there um, is it what I would come up with what's kind of the creativity behind that aspect yeah well it's uh, it's random but of course it's based on the choices of the composer um, but and the, so the what, random what, can you tell me what when you say choices are we talking uh, I have chosen to compose a song in the key of E and I, you know, I want these instruments. I want this genre. Is that are those the kind of choices that I make, or am I actually keying in uh, certain notes and things like that? Well, actually, there are like two levels of randomness. The first round, the the first random part comes from the choices. When okay. I mean choices, I mean like, for example, like chords, just chords. Okay. Yeah, like if you take the, the mathematical number of different chords, it's huge. And uh, when you talk about chord progressions, like uh, momentums, yep. uh, like the instrument, let's say, okay, the flute, which come uh, at bar two, this is like a choice which certainly will be unique. Um, so all this is the first uh, uh, randomness. But the second randomness comes from the technology itself, which basically means that if even if you have exactly uh, the same constraints and you make exactly the same choices, you will still have in the end different notes. Okay, so so you're just going to come up with new. So I can put in the same key structure, the same chord structure, and I'm going to get brand new music. So what kind of genres does Orb Composer um, do and do well? Well, basically, our composer is mostly focused on orchestral music, okay. uh, but uh, we want to, I mean, it's possible to create uh, any genre, but we'll not have like presets, genre presets, but the user will be able, for example, to choose like orchestral instruments or with uh, like electric guitars, anything basically, <sighs> because we also want our composer to be used, uh, for example, to create new music styles. <laughs> wow, that's cool. 
And you think that everything has been done before, but truly, uh, we start to hear. I, I noticed it when dubstep became a thing. Like, yes. It's like, right. how did someone invent a genre when everything feels like it's been done before? So we think that Orb Composer is going to be able to achieve this. That's an exciting you know, bar to set for yourself, for sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> so understanding then, Richard, that um, we do require some musical experience and, and capabilities in order to use Orb Composer. So it's not taking over the job of the composer by any stretch. Uh, is this something that composers need to, uh, to fear in the sense that um, studios are going to be able to use less experienced composers in order to create their music? Well, I, I think uh, with the approach we have, I think basically we are supporting composers. And I think uh, tools uh, which we don't like and are really like automated tools, uh, like create the music in two seconds and all the stuff like this. And it's definitely not the direction we wanted to take. Uh, and we all we believe that uh, with our tool, composers will be will have um, uh, will compose uh, much better music than just like automated tools. Uh, where you just select like a genre or and a duration, for example. Right. Yeah, I remember my old Mad Player that was you just push play and it would just start randomizing a beat and everything else, and you know it was cool, but it it did have that kind of random feel to it, as opposed to something that really has some thought put into it. Um, with Orb Composer, then, uh, is it a time-consuming process? You know, I think about AI as being a fully automated process, but then learning that we do need to actually do some, uh, some interaction with the AI in order to bring out the composition. Uh, what could we look at as far as time goes for composing a track with, uh, with Orb Composer? Well, uh, the, the, the time is, uh, I mean, the time uh, to compose a song is like it's instant. Uh, but of course, the time depends on the time the composer spends to make the choices. <laughs> okay, so it instantly spews out a song and says, "Here you go." Yeah. And now, yes, exactly. And now, what happens? Do I then say, "Okay, well, I don't like how this happened. I want to change the flute part." Yes, ex yes, exactly. You can say, "Okay, I don't want like uh, the bassoon here. I want to change this by I don't know, like a, a bass trombone. I don't know." And uh, and then you say, "Okay, this this uh, motif, I don't like it, so I will just change this part." Etc. And then w when you make all your, the, the choices and you have really something accurate that you like, uh, you can, uh, for example, finish the composition uh, in your DAW and add the, all the effects you want, etc. But yeah, that's basically how it works. That's fantastic. We're speaking with Richard Portelli. He's the CEO of Hexachords. They've developed an artificial intelligence software called Orb Composer, and uh, it actually creates musical scores for composers, inspiring creativity and helping them to be able to uh, find that inspiration. Um, Richard, I'm, you know, as a former music producer using FL Studio uh, and things like that back in the days of Fruity Loops, as far, you know, that's as far back as I go. Um, do we have support for third party instrument libraries, say uh, VSTIs, sound fonts, DirectX plugins? Um, is there support for those kinds of things so that I don't lose my investment? I've got Ederol Orchestral. I love it. Can I plug it into your? Uh, or, orb composer. Yeah, of course you can, and I, I would say that you have to. <laughs> you have to because uh, Orb Composer uh, doesn't come with like any sound itself. Uh, oh. It's basically connected uh, via via MIDI devices uh, to your DAW, so you can load, uh, you can use your all your samples, and that's also something we wanted to achieve because people wow. they spend a lot of money uh, by uh, buying and purchasing so, um, sure. samples so they can use all the samples they bought and that's pretty cool i think yeah that's uh, astonishing like i like i mentioned Adderall. i have um the uh, orchestral plugin i absolutely love it i've done uh, grand piano scores on it and everything i'd hate to lose that plugin now i'm just wondering does it also have um the ability to integrate into like a soundboard or is it purely uh computer based as far as channels and whatnot yeah it's purely computer based okay so would it support, let's say I have uh, a DAW already that has outputs to uh, a console with multiple inputs, so a, a, a pre-setup studio configuration. Is it going to be compatible with that? I think that's kind of you know, the question that we're mm -hmm. looking can I Can I work with an existing DAW? Yes, yes, you can. Wow. 
Okay. So in that case, then, yeah, yeah we, we would be able to, uh, to utilize that. Is it a standalone application, or are we looking at um, needing to have something like FL Studio to power it? Well, it's a standalone application, but you need to connect it to a DAW. But yeah, it's a standalone application, but you need like a DAW. So it's like, it, but it's not a plugin. It's not a VST. It's like a standalone application, but you need a DAW to uh, to to use it uh, with uh, all its all the features. So as it's not a plugin, now I, we don't need to get into the technical aspects. But as it's not a plugin, I'm not I'm not getting the the relationship to the DAW or DAW. Um, is it does this export to a certain file? format that I then import into my existing uh, hardware or something? Yes. I mean, it could work uh, without the AW. You could export, um, you could export the, the MIDI files, but I think it would be like useless because you would not have like any playback on the choices you make. And so... Right. Uh, yeah, it's definitely... Uh, yeah, you can't hear before. So you need to export to, lo to load into the DAW to listen, etc. So it would be like quite a difficult process, I think. You mentioned something there that really uh, you know stands out to me. You mentioned uh, exporting to MIDI uh, files, which means I'm going to be able to import that into any application that I, I work with MIDI files. Right. I can change the instrumentation. I can also create um, sheet music right. from my MIDI files, things like that. So it just opens it up, just blows that right out of the water, doesn't it? Um, so who owns the music that I create with your software? Do I have to worry about royalties if I use the music uh, no. online? No, not at all. I mean, the the, the music created belongs to the composer. Enti completely. Entirely? Entirety? Yeah, entirely. Because uh, basically, uh, if uh, th there are no like royalties, uh, anything, uh, for example, uh, I mean, there is no right on the music itself uh, if it's created oh. from A to Z uh, by uh, a computer. But in this case, it's a tool to assist the composer. So the composer, of course, is, uh, I mean, oh, the music uh, created definitely belongs to the composer. First of all, you know, and just to say, kudos for making that decision to take that approach because there are two <laughs> approaches that you could have taken here. You could have said, okay, we own the rights to this music and you need to pay for the rights to use it. Or you can say this is, in all essences, an instrument, and you're playing the instrument, and it's you, and you're creating the music, and so it's yours. So now I can use this music, as, as Richard is telling us here, I can use this in any of my projects. Um, I, I suppose I can sell it. I can yeah, sell the music, of course. Right? Yes, so, of course. So is it okay for me to generate music using the artificial intelligence and then sell it as like stock audio? Yes, it's possible. I think we will uh, we will try to limit uh, that because it's not the idea like of making like millions of tracks and uh, yeah. selling them. So we'll definitely find a way to limit uh, this. But yeah, I mean, on the paper, it's possible. But it's definitely not the idea. I, I understand. I just, you can see where I'm kind of going with it, where yeah. you know, this, this is a, po a potential abuse of the artificial intelligence, but at the same time, could be a really interesting business model for somebody if they, you know, if they want to take the time and do a really good job of it. Not that that's mm -hmm. what we're promoting, but understanding that that's possible. I love that yeah. I own the rights to it. That's fantastic. Um, mm -hmm. Are the files themselves proprietary? Um, can I, um, like, does, are these WAV files that it's exporting to? Um, how do yeah, I, I mean, the, the wave five uh, are exported uh, by the DAW. So okay. yeah, I mean. So the MIDI the aspect, the the actual instrumentation, the the synthesis happens in the DAW. Yes. Gotcha. Definitely. Okay. With your samples, yeah. Perfect. Now, regarding the AI, do, does it learn your style, the type of music that you like to make, and then start developing upon that? Or is the AI strictly uh, per song based on the input that you put forward? Like, does, does it continue to learn from your style? Well, I mean, there are two parts of the AI. There is one part which, which is learning uh, that we, it's, it's based on machine learning, uh, that we use it mostly for music styles. But uh, I mean, the real engine orb is not based on learning. It's, it's based really on the very accurate uh, rules uh, we gave it. And uh, because of this, it's very light, it's instant. Because if it was like a completely machine learning based, it would not be instant. And you also, uh, you have the full 
uh, control of what's happening inside the box. Because machine learning is like it's like a, a black box. You give inputs, you out and out, you have an output, but you don't have the control on what's happening between. And basically, with Orb Composer, you have completely access to everything, to all the the, the musical uh, low-level uh, parameters. And for example, if you just want to adjust one setting, you can do it, which would not be possible with machine learning. Okay. Now, we have a question from the chat room that's, uh, do USB synthesizers work with your software? I suppose if they're MIDI compatible, would that be... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can. Yes, you can. Uh, if you connect to your DAW and you have like uh, a synthesizer, yeah, it will work, of course. Okay, very cool. So you can use all your analog stuff and. Uh, yeah. So again, if you've already got kit, you've got plugins, you got all this stuff already set up. This is just going to accent that. Absolutely. Which is not, not honestly, Richard, not exactly what I was expecting. I was expecting this to be its own standalone thing, and this impresses me, excites me. We're talking about Orb Composer. It's an artificial intelligence product uh, that has been created by Hexachords, and it helps composers to create music. What are some of the exciting ways that you're seeing this already uh, being used? Now, I know it's not publicly available, but there, there's, there has been some use uh, within television, I, I believe. Yeah, actually, there was no use of Orb, of Orb Composer. There was a use of Orb. I mean, Orb is a, the core technology. And uh, before before uh, designing Orb Composer, so with uh, all the graphical interface and so okay. and so on, uh, we, we, we just uh, released uh, some music created with Orb by itself. So uh, it's, it's really like a, it's a different approach now that we have Orb Composer, but basically the music we released before was completely done uh, by the AI from A to Z. And because, uh, because of that, we didn't release like uh, too many music because we don't think it's too interesting. However, like to, to make like kind of a proof of concept and uh, sure. to see how people react to something created really from A to Z by uh, by a technology, it was it was nice yet yeah, to 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 propose. Uh, I mean to to put the music uh, created uh, with uh, Orb itself. Uh, with another music cre created with uh, real composers and to see if some people will say, okay, no, for this we can't use the, this music. For some reason, I don't like this music. Okay. And that was not the case because, yes, as you, as you mentioned, uh, it was used in a documentary, a professional documentary on French TV. Fantastic. And, uh, yeah, and it, nobody knows <laughs> that it was created only uh, by our technology. So you've taken this song that was created by your tech, put it on to some kind of forum or, or system that allows people... It's not a forum, it's basically like what what, uh, what are called like sound libraries. So basically it's like, it's a company called uh, Telemusic. Uh, it's a French company. Basically they have a bunch of composers who compose music for TV. Okay. And uh, so he has to choose buy out, buy a documentary, license. he has to choose the music and so he, he, he did a, like a little mix of uh, like a little bit of that, that, that genre, a little bit of that genre and um, he gave, yes, he, he proposed uh, this music saying that, okay, it was, it was composed by a composer, which was not the case, but just huh. to see the reaction and eventually it was chosen uh, for, for an extract, yes. And so did they later find out that it was actually created by an artificial intelligence? Uh, to be fair, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> so they're using this music in their documentary. They don't even know, potentially. We're talking about it here. That's amazing. And, uh, I don't, think that, I don't think they know it, to be fair. <laughs> that is astonishing. And just to think that it's that good. We've had some music uh, underlying the interview at times here, all created by the Orb artificial intelligence. Now, you mentioned a differentiation that I wasn't aware of between Orb and uh, the Orb composer. So Orb is, I guess, like a framework kind of back-end artificial intelligence engine. Is that the idea? Yes, exactly. I mean, or, or, I mean, yes. Orb is really the core engine, and it, it can work by itself. Saying okay, it's possible to say okay, I want like a, a two-minute song, orchestra, epic, and all that stuff. Yeah, it's possible. So, but we don't want to use it that way. You don't want to. Can I can I write a script that will use it though? Is that possible? Is it an API or a command line argument or something? Well, it would be possible, but we will not provide it. <laughs> ah, okay. I got gotcha. you. All right. So that's uh, that's proprietary, we'll say. 
speaking of proprietary, what kind of uh, OS support are we looking at? Is this like a Windows only kind of thing? Um, well, it's, it's Windows and Mac. Windows and Mac. Any plans yeah, for Linux support at all? For Linux, you mean? Yes. A any plans to, to port over to Linux? Well, it will be complicated because, like, for, for I mean, the core, it doesn't change anything to the core code, but it's more like the use of the AW and, like, plugins, which are quite rare on Linux. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. So we're probably going to be on Windows or Mac anyways in the studio. Yeah. So right. makes makes sense for sure. Um, any yes. any other system requirements that we should be aware of before we uh, before we wrap up? No, I mean the only um, restricting part is maybe the the memory because you need just you need to have the memory that you would need for your own samples. So which is usually the case yeah, because you already own the samples. Sure. But yes, I mean it's kind of uh, memory intensive, of course. Sure. When you load like a bunch of orchestral stuff, yeah. uh, it can be. Uh, I mean, it can be heavier. Hopefully we but have so like well, it's not system. CPU intensive at all, so I mean the only requirement yes is to to be able to load uh, the um, the sound libraries. Okay. Okay. Jeff, now, you got one more. Yeah, I've got one more question. Just as I've been listening to you and and you know you're talking about the software, uh, I mean I haven't played with the software, so I don't know all. Oh, of, I want to <laughs> all the selections that. that come with it. But <laughs> do you have the ability to set an emotional feel to the music? And is mm -hmm. that incorporated? Like, if you want something that invokes anger within the composition, can you set the software to do that, or do you use that through your individual selections? Well, we could do we could do that, but we don't want to. Uh, this same reason as basically we want people to be able to create some moods, and we don't want to have like a, we want people to try new things. And uh, basically, if, for example, if you want to be like to have like an angry mood. The composer uh, knows what to do, and the, the, all the parameters he has to choose to have this effect. Right. So it's it's really like a low-level um, kind of uh, software. Okay. And it's, it's not like uh, you select a genre with a duration, all that stuff to be very clear. And and um, yes, we. It's it's how how we want it to be used. <laughs> sure, and we're we're working entirely from the screenshots that we've shown here. We're working entirely from uh, from trying to understand, get our head around something that's brand new. Yeah. Artificial intelligence creating music. That's what we're talking about with Orb Composer. So for us to get out, you, you've been playing with this thing for five years, man. <laughs> so to be fair, like you know your way around this thing. I want to play with it. When can I install this on my computer? <laughs> so basically, we, we plan to do like a, a beta version, which will be, I think, available like in October, and uh, for final release in January. Wonderful. So we're looking at. Uh, like a, just a, a few months. Yeah. Yeah, six, wow. six months, months until the release, yes. Fantastic. It's like oh, an early Christmas wait. present. That's exactly. I love it. <laughs> yeah. uh, Richard, uh, we appreciate your time so very much tonight. Uh, we're very, very Thank excited you. about your product. We love what you're doing with, uh, with Hexachords uh, and with, uh, with Orb in particular. This is uh, really, really cool stuff. And uh, the compositions that you've sent us so far are, are awesome. Like it's just uh, uh, you thank say, you very much. Hard, hard to believe that you. this is automated and artificial intelligence. Where's it going to go next? What's you know th this is just kind of the start of something cool. What's what's next for your company? Where are you pitching this? What is going on? Well, we have uh, a very big project uh, that we would like to. Um, uh, that it, it's a little bit early to share it, but basically the idea would be to uh, integrate the technology inside video games. Oh, uh, no. Which would mean, which would mean that uh, the music will be would be created inside the game. Oh my not, gosh! Uh, and not outside the game. So yeah. yes, it's uh, just a little thing. Uh, we have some, we did some proof of concept of it, but it's a little bit early to uh, to to tell you more about it. <laughs> First of all, he starts by saying we've got this big thing, but we're not allowed to tell you about it. But we'll tell you this. That is in game. Uh, you you mentioned that you were going to be doing gaming audio, but this is huge. So that is huge. If huge. I'm if I'm coming up to a frightening scene within the game, I'd imagine that Orb is going to <laughs> know. And I know you're not allowed to talk or about it. Or if you, like me, have died like 500 <laughs> times trying to fight a boss, the music is going to change. Wow. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Way, to, way to get us excited. Uh, <laughs> way to get us excited. That's cool. So do you, guys, you folks get your head around that? 
So imagine it creates the music on the fly during the game. It can be influenced by the gameplay. I'm imagining how the API is going to function. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly how it would work. And the, the very interesting part as well is that uh, the the composer w- would have a major uh, influence on because he would not need to compose uh, like uh, final scores, but to, no. to 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 design all the universe. All the musical universe, for example, saying, "Okay, it's for for this this forest, I will give like okay, it will be played by clarinets and uh, uh, with some arpeggios, and uh, no to, to choose all the parameters. But then it will be live, uh, real time. So when it's very interesting. Yes. When I enter here, the, you know, this is a scary scene. We've got some pizzicatos. Exactly. Absolute, yeah. No, exactly. But you. not the, not the notes. But yeah. just like the, yeah. the, all the all the parameters, a little bit it's, like in our composer. It's as if it becomes part of the level creation process. So we say, okay, this building yes. is going to have this style of music. Now let Orb do the rest. Yes, exactly. And so Fantastic. it will basically put the, the composer kind of at the center of all the gameplay. Wow. I, I think I've had a stupid, like, grin, gaping mouth <laughs> for the last, like, 90 seconds. This is incredible. Thousands of people right now have that same expression, Jeff. <laughs> Richard, Thank you. I, I want to challenge you to please, please, please keep in touch with us. Let us know. We want to let our community know yeah. uh, about the progress of yes. your product and how it's being utilized uh, by various industries. And we wish you all the best. Thank you so much. For, uh, Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Thanks. Take Thanks. care. What's the chat room say? This one is 100% composed by AI. This is Category 5 Technology TV, and you'll find our website at category5.tv. Sasha, we've got to head over to the newsroom, so if you're all set... I'm ready to rock. What do you have for us today? Here are the stories we're covering this week in the category5.tv newsroom. Jawbone is shutting down to pursue medical tech. The world's first glasses-free holographic phone is coming, and you'll never guess who's releasing it. There's now a self-driving transport truck that doesn't even have a spot for a human driver. Disappointment as Intel plans to cut jobs from its IoT division. A German computer company is spinning a new version of Ubuntu to include on their computers. And update your Linux distro immediately. The new PG crypto library has been cracked. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. Jeff Weston. Yaman. You're building a brand new beautiful website. What? Aren't you? No. Am I? You're a terrible actor. What? This is where acting comes into play. Oh, I didn't know we were acting. You're supposed to act. Okay, fair enough. I'm building a really cool website. Are you building a really cool website? You need hosting. One of the things about a hosting account is you don't want to have limitations put on your website. It's true. How much hard drive space do you have? How many email accounts? How many domains can point to it? Well, we've got an amazing deal for you. For a very limited time, cat5.tv slash dreamhost. For just $5 and a bit of change per month, you are going to get unlimited website hosting, unlimited email accounts on that hosting uh, service. You are also going to receive a free domain name. So your own .com. Nice. To put that amazing website that you've been working on it's on true. there. If you run, if you want to build a WordPress site, fine. Sign up. Cat5.tv slash dreamhost. Just don't put Panama Papers on it. Just don't do it. But hey, uh, it's a great deal, folks. Best deal you're going to find. $5 and change per month. Go to cat5.tv slash dreamhost. I'm Sasha Dermatis, and here are the top stories for the week of July 12, 2017. In May of last year, speaker and fitness tracker company Jawbone ended production of its fitness trackers and started seeking a buyer for its speaker business, leading to speculation that the company was going out of business. Jawbone denied claims that it was shutting down and planned to pivot to medical products for direct sale to clinical practitioners, but that may not have panned out as the information reports that the business is officially shutting down. 
Jawbone has reportedly started liquidation proceedings and notices have been sent out to its creditors. Jawbone co-founder and CEO Hossein Rahman has moved on to a new company called Jawbone Health Hub that is designed to make health-related hardware and software services. Many existing Jawbone employees have already transitioned to the new company. Jawbone Health will reportedly service existing Jawbone products, which may allow existing Jawbone customers to get help with their devices. Jawbone has been ignoring customer service requests for several months, making customers unhappy. Starting in January, Jawbone customers were unable to contact Jawbone support and it did not receive responses to service requests for faulty products. That's unfortunate, especially because I thought about Jawbone when I started. Yeah, I I like it. I liked it. That makes me a little sad in that they were one of our early partners on the show. Mm-hmm. Jawbone was, you know, one of our first big um, sponsors and we loved working with them. So, yeah. um, so I'm sorry to see them go. And Although if the they're tech. going if they're going into a medical field, who knows what will develop from there. But I don't know that they would liquidate their company if they were planning to continue supporting it, really. Wait, That's but didn't true. you say that they were looking to use existing products? They're liquidating the company. Yeah, they're so, liquidating right. so Okay. Maybe, yeah. maybe I misheard you. So, I mean, you can buy something and it just won't be supported. Like, right. I love their Bluetooth headsets, but... Oh, they were the best. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the one thing that I thought was interesting is their name is Jawbone and they're going to health. It almost sounds like this should be a dental company. Yeah, that's right. It stems from uh, their original um, headsets. That's right. With they, a little... Rather knobby. than a standard microphone, which picks up all the noise around you when you're biking or doing right, else, exactly. It came in contact with your jawbone and would sense the vibrations. So as you're talking, right. it it gets rid of all the background noise. And I came this close after after I just I bought a Bluetooth headset for yeah. my for biking, and my sister couldn't hear me. She said, "All I can hear is wind." Because it's a microphone version. Because it's a microphone. Yeah. And then you had said, "Well, what about a jawbone?" And I I came very close to being okay. Fine, a jawbone. I'll right. buy one. Aww. And now this story. Yeah. So. We well, can still buy one. It'll still work. Yeah. Right. It's just, you know, if it breaks, you can't replace it. I have it two at home. There's no warranty or whatever, right? Right. Yeah. True. Mm-hmm. Red, the company that makes prof- professional digital cameras for shooting Hollywood movies, is making a holographic phone called the Hydrogen. The company is touting the Hydrogen is the world's first holographic media machine and says it doesn't require glasses to see the supposed holograms. The 5.7-inch phone runs Android and pre-orders are available in two tiers. It costs $1,595 for the titanium high-end version and $1,195 for the aluminum slightly lower end version. The phone is planned to ship in the first quarter of 2018. According to Red's announcement, a hydrogen has a professional hydrogen holographic display which seamlessly switches between traditional 2D content, 3D content, and interactive games. The screen is, according to the company, capable of displaying holographic red hydrogen for view content, H4V, stereo 3D content, and 2D 3D VR, AR, which is augmented reality and MR which is mixed reality. High quality audio is another feature to drool over with a special algorithm that report that can reportedly convert stereo sound into 5.1 surround sound. Like the company's modular cinema cameras, the hydrogen is all about attaching accessories. You can attach camera extras like future attachments for shooting higher quality motion and still images as well as hydrogen format holographic images. The caveat, these accessories won't ship at launch. Additionally, the hydrogen can be connected to the company's Scarlet, Epic and Weapon cameras as separate control input and camera monitor. And that's basically it. We have no idea what processor it has or how much storage or RAM or anything else about the camera. The teaser image clearly shows a headphone jack, USB-C port, and a rather big and serious-looking camera protruding out of the backside. Red's website says it'll have a micro SD card slot. So holographic... uh, That is nuts. That is the best. I hate that I take so many pictures with my phone. And now Red comes out with a camera phone Good. that does holograms. Imagine how much data that's going to take up. 
Oh, yeah, it's got to have massive storage. But you consider Red is like the company that all the big movie makers use. Yeah. Yeah. Like these are high, high end cameras. You're talking base model, $30,000. Like nuts. Really, that's not actually, even though that the, the price point seems a little bit steep, it's actually not that much money to have a holographic phone camera. Right. That's and it's it. bleeding edge and new tech. Yeah. So. If it if happened before money, September absolutely. 9th, then people could just watch me in real life get married. There you go. Right? Hmm. I'd just be a hologram. You just have to get one in time so that they can. Now, what I like about the photo, and I mean, I don't know if you can throw it back yeah, up sure. on the screen. There you go. That body looks rugged. It looks oh, slick, yeah. too. Like, you know, and, and I'm just... You said it was titanium. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's called like, titanium. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's just a really shiny plastic. But... <laughs> You know, like, it looks like a solid, solid phone. And oh, I don't yeah. know, maybe that's just designed to make it look cool. But It does. I, it but, works. I mean, even you can see the hexagon screws in there for the body. It's like, man, this thing is just going to withstand everything. That's a conversation starter. If you walked around with that phone in your hand, you would be the man. The boss. You're driving a Hummer. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. You know what's going to be interesting about this, though? They keep doing this to me. I, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's because I keep having thoughts. This is going to now change the way that we do social media as well. Sure. Because you're going to have, like, say, for instance, Facebook. You're going to want to upload holographic images to Facebook. How is this mm. going to factor in? Mm -hmm. Like, this is going to take the tech industry and social media and everything to a whole new level. Mm-hmm. Because it's going to force change. And what rolls out because of this? You'll never miss a major life event ever again. And pictures of people's meals will be incredible. <laughs> oh, my. Chicken As if you went floating <laughs> above their phone. You went nice. to that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Most experts believe the first industry to be upended by autonomous driving will be the trucking sector. What better use case for driverless technology than long-haul trucking where most of the driving is confined to the highway? The Swedish startup on Enride certainly buys into this vision. It recently unveiled a prototype of a self-driving truck that completely lacks a steering wheel, pedals, a windshield, and, well, the whole cab, really. The all-electric T-Pod is much shorter than your average traditional tractor-trailer clocking in at just 23 feet long, which is likely due to the absence of the cabin. Einride says that the T-Pod will weigh 20 tons at full load, which is comparable to a Class 8 truck. The company says that the T-Pod can be controlled remotely by a human operator or can operate autonomously without human intervention. Enride says that it aims to deliver a complete transport system between Gothenburg to Hy Heilsenburg by 2020. This transport system will involve 200 T-Pods with associated charging stations on the route. The system's first route will have a capacity of up to 2 million pallets per year. The full-scale proto prototype was on hand last week at a week-long Swedish political event which took place on the island of Gotland. That is really great for everyone, except for perhaps long-haul truckers. But I will say, working in the chiropractic industry, they really suffer because of mm. their jobs. Oh, sure. So if they could find a healthier profession and somebody else can do that back-breaking, literally, job, that would be perfect. <laughs> See, and I, I'm thinking of, you know, if they roll this out into other countries, like take, for instance, the issues... Um, that we're starting to hear about with, um, you know, the sensors where it's, you know, maybe not able to pick up light mm -hmm. or something, or you've got animals sure. on the road. How is this going to affect insurance liability if, as a trucker, what happens if your truck goes off the road and all of that product is lost? Where does that play into it? You know, sure. there's things that definitely come with it, but very, very interesting. Very neat, eh? I could see a fleet of this kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Like, and then it, where does it end? Like, trains would be next i guess and yeah like it just makes sense because it's because you think about like a long-haul driver is really driving in a straight line for hours and hours at the same speed mm -hmm. in a lot of cases unless you hit traffic but mm -hmm. really, away from family and yeah but, but you're just you're just driving it's, yeah it's not well. it's not like you're in and out of traffic no you're pretty much you just driving in a straight line mm -hmm. imagine right. somebody at the border control you know between countries mm -hmm. and truck rolls up and I need to see your papers please 
<laughs> they have it all. Taken. No they probably have to scan a barcode and the papers sure. upload or something. Yeah, yeah. 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 But it makes me wonder if it's it's to be you know only local shipping within a a confined country unless you've got open borders like you would have in the EU. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. we'll interesting. Have to see. Interesting indeed. Intel is shedding nearly 140 staff from its Internet of Things business lines. The layoffs were probably inevitable since during June, Intel discontinued three of its IoT product lines, the Jewel, Edison, and Galileo compute, compute modules and boards. Those three boards were once the flagships for Chipzilla's pitch to the wearable and maker markets. The Silicon Valley Business Journal says 100 of the layoffs will be in Santa Clara. Another 40 staff will be cut in the company's office in Lexlip, Ireland. The IoT division turned in $721 million U.S. in the first quarter revenue this year, up to 11% year-on-year, but but overall, that's less than 5% of Intel's sales. Intel employs roughly 106,000 worldwide. So it's interesting to hear of tech jobs, like Internet of Things, you think that's huge, you think that's big, right? And Mm. then now they're cutting jobs. Mm. Yeah, I don't know what the reasoning behind it is, but it's certainly if it's such a small portion of your business, maybe you're in the wrong, you know, focusing assets and things into the wrong place. Right. But see, when I hear the story, I'm wondering, okay, what's the undercurrent? Because it was 100 and some odd jobs, you said? Yeah. 140, yeah. 140 jobs, but their revenue is up 11% year over year. Mm-hmm. So the revenue is going up, they're getting rid of jobs. So that tells me that it's some sort of amalgamation either of roles Oh. Or an updated technology that has made some jobs obsolete. That would be my guess. Robots? It could be robots. <laughs> you know, they've laid off Sasha's grandma from making food in the kitchen. And now they've got the kitchen robot. Never gonna hear it the was a legacy Sasha. thing. My grandmother is not alive, but wouldn't it be great if before she died, she was able to, like, save her recipes? I feel like I've heard this before. Okay, you have. sorry. Yeah. Okay. But no, it just when you, when, you, when, you, when you go through the story, that's what it sounds like to me, is this is amalgamation in order yeah, to, sure. to save profits. I mean, not minimizing, it's 140 people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's not like you know laying off fifty percent of the company to, to save cost measures. It, right. This sounds like, you know, hey, we've you know made some improvements. Mm-hmm. So, which would make investors happy. That's true. I suppose so. so. Tuxedo, a German computer company selling a range of Linux laptops, has announced it is launching its own Ubuntu-based Linux distro. We've done our best with Google Translate, and in their announcement they say, We have been working on this project for several months. We have been thinking about the usability of the desktop, have included user feedback in our considerations, and made some surveys on desktop usage. The computer outfit plans to ship an in-house Xbuntu spin pre-installed on its devices. This That spin is called, somewhat confusingly, Tuxedo Xbuntu Zubuntu, Zubuntu, uh, Zubuntu 16.04 LTS. They say, what we have done is deliver a desktop that is strongly adapted to the needs of our users with our own theme, own icons, own boot logo, and the latest firmware, the latest NVIDIA drivers, if necessary, and Linux kernel 4.11 pre-installed. Wow. Yeah. Not to mention our configuration adjustments on Grub and optimizations to other system relevant files. This modified image is said to deliver a much lower memory usage, lower even than Ubuntu Mate, and improved battery life. Hard to imagine, but the company tested its Infinity Book Pro 13 with Linux Mint 18.1, which gave a battery life of of 6 hours, and its Ubuntu fork, which saw the Ultrabook last almost twice as long, clocking up nearly 12 hours. That's unreal. That is crazy. I just want to say, this is one of the things that I love about Linux. Now, Tuxedo aside, you know, because some people will say, oh, it's, they're, they're using Zubuntu and they're making changes and they're making claims. And that's always the case whenever anyone does a spin, right? Uh, but fact is, they can take the operating system, mm-hmm. spin it to their own branding, mm-hmm. do 
changes to it, improve it. Um, for those who aren't aware of what Sasha's saying there, this is pretty bleeding edge. Like they've got the brand new um, cutting edge kernel in there. Like yeah, and uh, so you know it's it's pretty up to date as far as that goes. Um, but I love that Linux and Linux users can do that. Mm-hmm. Take it, make it their own, and then customize it and distribute it and share it. And really, all they're doing is improving exposure to desktop Linux. Yes. It is true. Which, that's a win. So good on them. Exactly. Absolutely. Now, Linux users need to check out their distributions to see if a nasty bug in libgcrypt20 has been patched. The software fix, which has landed in Debian and Ubuntu, addresses a side channel attack published last week. The researchers published their work at the International Association for Cryptologic Research's ePrint archive last week. What they found is that the libgcrypt library uses what's called sliding windows, a method for carrying out the mathematics of crypt- cryptography, but, that's, but one that's known to leak data. The researchers looked at the left-to-right sliding window calculation in libgcrypt in which the sliding window data was leaked, leak was tolerated because it was believed only part of the key was recoverable. What they found was an unpleasant surprise, a complete break in the library's RSA 1024. They say, we show for the first time that the direction of the encoding matters. The pattern of squarings and multiplications in left-to-right sliding windows leak significantly more information about the exponent than right-to-left. The fix can be added to either Debian or Ubuntu, as well as potentially other distros, by running an upgrade on the LIPG Crypt 20 package. So make sure that you do yeah, that. You know what, just to be safe, uh, apt upgrade, uh, apt update, and then apt upgrade. And just, you know, for good measure, uh, apt dist-upgrade. That'll update all your packages and everything. And that way you know you're safe because you don't want to have something like a, like a cryptography exploit run wild in your system. Thanks for watching the Category5.tv newsroom. Don't forget to like and subscribe for all your tech news with a slight Linux bias. And for more free content, be sure to check out our website. From the Category5.tv newsroom, I'm Sasha Dermatis. Thanks, Sasha. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Welcome to the show. So nice to have you here. Uh, We've been having a lot of fun tonight. Lots of exciting stuff. Uh, Speaking with our our friend Richard and, and... everything else that's been going on but we do have a ton of questions that have come in so you know we don't always get as much time as i'd love to have to just address your questions i think it's probably time that we do like Like a viewer question extravaganza love those episodes i think it's time um so we're gonna find a week coming up where we can just commit the entire hour to you to your questions and uh so you know if you've got <laughs> questions that have been on the edge of your fingers get on onto uh, email send us an email live at category5.tv or join us on our forum it's simply forum.category5.tv and you can post there as well mm-hmm. so you have anything for me today i do i have a question from mickey hey mickey mickey asks i have an old ibm r32 laptop two gigahertz 32-bit processor with a one gigabyte of ram if i put debian 9 stretch on it will i be able to watch netflix or hulu on it i really miss sitting on my patio having a cigar and watching programs online i'll say that sounds nice well then uh yeah debian 9 Okay, we talked about it when, on episode 510 when we talked about Debian. Was it 510? I can't recall the number. Forget the numbers. Just look for Debian on our website. Um, when, when we introduced Debian Stretch, it is, in its, at its essence, uh, a distro that uses um, free open source Mm-hmm. firmware's drivers out of the box. We can enable the ability to do other wor- otherwise, um, as we discussed on that show. But we didn't touch on this, so I appreciate the question. Uh, I've got Debian 9 um, from that, uh, you know, f- from that show, and it's pretty vanilla. I haven't really done anything with it. So we're just going to bring up uh, Firefox, and I'm going to give it a go for you. So I'm going to head over to Netflix. Oh, Netflix. Oh, Netflix. I love Netflix. 
I didn't tell you, but uh, I was watching Black Mirror again. Oh, good. We're not binge watchers. Like, we don't do that. Although, we found <laughs> the closest thing we've ever done to binging. We found, um, oh, come on. It's on the tip of my tongue. Legion. I'd never seen uh, a superhero show that we actually liked. Like, we wanted to I've like The them. Flash. We right. wanted to, but it was just so... I just won't go there. I will tell you, we binge-watched Bates Motel. Yeah. And then we bought all of the old Psycho movies because it's based on... on right. Oh, you bought... Oh, so we okay, bought on Netflix, we watched the Bates Motel, right? Okay. Then we bought the Psycho movies because I had never seen them because y'all right. know I'm kind of uncultured and things like this. Right. Um, have you seen those movies? Never even heard of... Oh, Psycho? Psycho? No. We're not into the horror genre. Yeah, well... Never have been, but... I'm not either, it turns yeah. out, but I'm going to watch them. I'm going to muscle through it, but... Okay, all right. That... Um, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Well, as I mentioned that we watched Dark Mirror the other yes. day, and we're not binge watchers, but Legion was good. Yeah. Legion was very, very good uh, for uh, that kind of superhero movie uh, show, but that's beside the point. Um, on Dark Matter... No, Black, Black Mirror. Black Mirror. I get those two confused all the time. <laughs> Black Mirror. Uh, the episode was um, reminded me exactly of your news story from like two years ago. I don't know if you remember this, but they um, used artificial intelligence to bring back the dead. Yes. I know what you're talking about, and I know the news story you you're talking the about. the news story? Yes. Because it, I, was like I, I was sitting there, Facebook. and I was like, this is real. This yeah. act, Sasha talked about this. Yes. And they made a show about it. So they took the idea, the concept of this artificial You're intelligence welcome. that takes all your social media, Facebook, Twitter, everything, compiles it all into an AI and then turns it into a chatbot. It's and, actually uh, a really good news. episode. It was a very good episode. You that's creepy. Black Mirror people. It's, I, it's, hard for, to, it's hard for me to recommend Black Mirror because there are some that it, it's not... There are some where I sit and there are I, none. Uh, there are not. Well, no, it's it, they're all don't start with episode one of thinking. season one. It was a good thing that we started accidentally the first episode of season three because I think if we had seen you wouldn't the pilot, yeah. I think we would have just turned it off. Right. I, I couldn't it's, have done it. Exactly. But it always makes you think. That's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to make you think about it, the what ifs. It, it delves into the darker side of the human behavior. And, and Here's and, something really cool about technology. Here's what could happen with it if it was abused or It's like misused. having a conversation with Jeff. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Speaking of cool technology, uh, Netflix. I've got it up here. Um, so I'm, I'm here. <laughs> So I'm logged in as myself. Uh, we're mum and dad. And there it is, uh, Black Mirror. You can see. Continue watching. Um, okay, so if I push play on something, and we're going to hope that we don't get copyright infringement notices here. I don't have audio on, so I push play, and it tells me, whoops, something went wrong. I guess it doesn't work, right? Actually, let's take all of about 10 seconds, and we're going to jump... Oh, the... <laughs> Holy cow, could it be that easy? There's a button that says Enable DRM in the top right. I'm going to push it and see what happens. No way. That was pretty easy. That was too oh. easy. Wow. Mickey. I could do that. How was that? Huh. 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 Out of the box, it did not work. Uh, with a single mouse click. I was about to show you how to go into preferences and how to turn on DRM. Um, if you don't see that alert, because maybe not everybody's going to have that. I've never seen that before. This is probably new in this version of Firefox. If you go into preferences, and let's see. I'm going to try to remember where you find this. supposed to be good to know this stuff hmm. content content there it is play DR there it is play drm content so that's the checkbox if you don't see it under content and preferences ah and it worked just like that or with like debian 9 stretch they just give you the button yeah there's the it. button well that's a feature of firefox that was easy uh, it's just the default browser that was installed firefox esr so simple done and done look at that what else have we got um, we've got a question from Nicola uh, to Sasha. Oh. Oh, yeah? Says, uh, here's a nice Raspberry Pi music player you might like. Qu'est-ce que c'est? It is 
rpimusicplayer.com. Uh, says good luck with your wedding and have fun. Thank you. I will. So RPI. RPI Music Player. Dot com. Raspberry Pi Music Player. Oh, super cool. This might be just what you were looking for when you want to tinker. Right. <laughs> I love the. What does it do? Tinker. What does it do? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, it's Raspberry Pi works cool with uh, even the Pi 2. Small family. Blah, blah, blah. Where are the features for the product? Come on, tell me. Okay, it's got Rune. It's got MP3, FLAC, DLNA, UPnP, AirPlay, Spotify, Google. <gasps> oh, so Gemendo. cool. I have Spotify. This is perfect. With AirPlay, you can like cast this to anything. Sweet. Oh, I like this. So, hey, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't I haven't played with this one, but there you go. RPI for Raspberry Pi. Musicplayer.com. Hmm. That interface reminds me of something. Does that not look like Volumio? That does to you? look exactly like Volumio. I wonder if Volumio uses that interface because that's ah. identical. Identical. Hmm. Nice. Open source, community driven. Here's the hardware. Hey, don't forget, you can get your Raspberry Pi hardware through our shop, cat5.tv slash pi. And that's a cool way that you can support Category 5 TV, everything that we do here, and yep. all the provision of free broadcasts. Mm-hmm. Thanks for the tip. Anything so else for us? We have... We have to, yeah, we could, Oh, one more. We have time for one We're more. We're over time. I know. Okay. Jay Daniels <laughs> asks, why in the world would anyone suggest a Linux desktop that looks like Windows? GNOME is like a Ferrari or new Porsche compared to those other desktop environments. I'm tired of the same Windows taskbar, taskbar mess. If you keep many applications and terminal windows open, the old Windows 95 or XP type desktop starts to break down. Navigating some of those menus on a touchpad is sort of tricky too. It worked fine with trackpoint or mouse, but not on those new laptops. I see. It, on my touchscreen, I like the interface of like the big buttons and things right. like that. Even could go as far as saying that single touch to open things makes a little more sense. But mm-hmm. on my computer, personally, I'm old school, I know, but I like the way Cinnamon operates because it does feel... Familiar? Windows-esque. Yeah, familiar, familiar is really what it's about. Mm-hmm. But it's the paradigm. It's That's what I'm used to. That's what I grew up with. That's what I learned on. And so it, if I'm going to use a GUI at all, I, I, I like that. I prefer it. I can find things. I know where they are. So that's me. Why would someone recommend it? Why would someone promote it? <laughs> and I think that boils down to kind of the exact flip side of that, where we live in a Windows world. That's right. It's true. Plain and simple. Okay? We hate to admit it, us Linux fans, but it's true. Uh, Most people, if you ask them what operating system their computer has, they're going to say Microsoft Windows. So because of that, as we're promoting Linux as an alternative to any other operating system and saying, this is free, and they say, well, why would I want that? And you can start to share why they might want that for the freedom, for the application suite, for the fact that it's low cost and you know it's upgradable and, and keeps going for them. But the fact is, is that if the paradigm changes, it's too difficult. Do you remember when 8.1 came out? You remember when Windows 8.1 came yep. out? And Microsoft said, oh, we're going to get do away with the start menu and we're going to throw out this stupid Metro crap. <laughs> yep. What happened? Backlash, right? So if I present to you Linux and I say, try this, you got to try it, it's awesome, and the paradigm is completely different, then I as a user, the the user that you're trying to promote it to, is going to have a real hard time getting their head around it, and it just makes it uncomfortable. It makes them want to go back. Mm -hmm. So if I can make it feel a little more comfortable for them, then they're more likely to get into it. They're more likely to try it out, learn how it works, and then get to the point where now they're no longer a noob, they're no longer a novice user, they can start playing around and trying the other things. True. That's when it gets exciting. And for myself, from a practical standpoint... Uh, my kids, I'm trying to get them into Linux because they've been dealing with Windows through the computers at school and trying to switch them over from the Windows interface to using Linux, Mm -hmm. you know, at a young age, they're struggling with that comparison. So, you know, I, to, to use a, you know, a a format like that where it looks the same as Windows makes it much easier for my kids to transition. So Mm -hmm. I can say, Hey, look, why don't you use the Linux system? And because there's dual Mm -hmm. boots on my computer. And so... 
you know. Right. Yeah. So for and that's, that's safer for the kids to use that. Exactly. Yeah. You don't have to worry about the malware getting in and destroying and their files. And that's exactly it. There. I mean, our oldest is now getting into more internet-based stuff, and I'm sure. going, use Linux, use Linux, use yeah. Linux. You yeah. know. So very cool. For that reason, I like the the menu for mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I think that's a good good reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There you go. There's my answer. So thank you very much for the question. Perfectly valid, and we appreciate it. Uh, and thank you so much for watching tonight. I hope you had fun. Please do go to our website, Category5.tv. Lots of great content there. Also, you will notice if you go to our website and you click on to this episode or any episode for that matter, if you scroll down a little ways, you're going to see individual clips that came out of this episode. So you can actually click on that feature, this feature, or that feature, and it will just play that segment. So then you've got something a little bit smaller that you can share with your That's friends. That's a handy tool, actually. It really is, and I love that it's so easy to find now. So mm-hmm. yep. That's how you want to do it. It's all the time that we have for this week, though, folks. There's always next week, though. There always is. None of us know. None of us know. So just enjoy what we got. And we'll hope to see you next week. (laughs) See ya. Night.